0: Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin and deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side-view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection. Whoa, long time no see. It's me, the rock T-shirt in the back of your closet. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Devils.
1: Welcome, everybody, to World Sports Roundabout, the show that, in a roundabout way, tells you what these sports are all about. I'm wondering if that actually worked. I must have messed up because I thought that uh, the theme song that I have created over the weekend, I thought that uh, it would have played. According to the uh, monitor, it actually did it, so I'm wondering if I did something wrong there. That's okay. That is absolutely okay. I wonder if it's an issue with like the uh, the 360 here having it on and then not having turning it down or something like that. That's my personal guess. Uh, but welcome. Welcome, guys. Welcome, 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 welcome. Uh, did I do the intro already? I think I did. I'll just do it again. Welcome to World Sports Roundabout where we look at sports around the world and in a roundabout way tell you what the sports is all about. Welcome again, and joining me on today, Valentine's Day, February fourteenth, two thousand and twenty-two. Uh, we have a relatively short show today. Um, the information I could find on these three countries uh, probably could just span about thirty minutes or so. So we're going to stretch it out a little bit. We're going to get to we're going to talking about these countries and stuff like that. Uh, but first, uh, let's talk about something a little bit different. Today is Valentine's Day. Uh, I hope everybody is going to have a very safe and responsible uh, Valentine's Day. That you know, that means the uh, doing the nasty stuff and stuff like that. But that also just means financially responsible and emotionally uh, responsible things for you know Valentine's Day. Make sure to take care of your health, uh, mentally, physically, and uh, financially. You know, don't spend money that you don't have. Uh, if you're curious on what I have plans to do for Valentine's Day, what I'm probably going to do is once I'm done with the radio show today and once I'm done with Sports Flash at 4, which please stay tuned because we that's one benefit of having the Monday show is we get to talk about the Super Bowl the day after. So make sure to come down and listen on to that show. Um, but what probably is going to happen is I'll get out of these stuffy uh, winter wet-like clothes. I'll sit in front, in front of the computer. And I'll just buy myself something nice. Uh, I don't really have anybody to really uh, spend Valentine's Day with for various reasons. The biggest being that I'm in Chicago and uh, the only person I could realistically spend it with is all the way in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Um, another thing is that I don't really want to spend time <laughs> with that particular person on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, no. So, um, what we're going to do is we're gonna actually take a very scheduled moment of silence for us to reflect on our status on Valentine's Day and then determine how you feel about that status. Uh, we're not gonna go more than a minute, but let's just let's just take a moment. Okay, okay, so let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see, all right, first country up to bat today, and forgive me if I mispronounce a lot of these names, I know I can read it, I can hear it, I know what it sounds like when I hear it, I just don't know if I can personally pronounce it, uh, Nicaragua, ooh, I did it, yes, (laughs) ha ha, Woo! I'm happy about that one. All right, Nicaragua. Dang it, Nicar Ni- Nicaragua. Uh, we're actually gonna skip like two countries. The next country actually on the list is actually Honduras. Um, but I'm actually gonna talk about that near the end for one particular reason. Um, in in relationship to another country that we gotta talk about is El Salvador. Uh, there's a great story that i'd like to tell you guys um that i found and i forgot that this like piece of history is actually attached to something related to sports with those two countries so we're gonna wait that so we're gonna skip those two and we're gonna go to nicaragua so the interesting thing about um nicaragua is it really depends on who you ask um in terms of like Who, what is the big national sport of the country? If you ask one sector, it's baseball. Which is one of the few in central, excuse me, excuse me, but one of the few in like central Latin America that I could find that wasn't like a Caribbean island that had baseball as its most popular sport. I can think of a lot of countries that, you know, have. I'm trying to find the right words for it, but you know, has baseball as like a very important piece of their like sports culture and stuff like that. Like I understand that for for the most part. I've just, it's apparently it's either that or boxing, which I'll kind of get into. Um, but was base in regards to baseball. Um, baseball diamonds can be found throughout the country. Um, I've actually been to Nicaragua before, and I can verify that, like, there's a lot of baseball stadiums, even there's, like, one big baseball stadium, I don't think there's one big baseball stadium, but, like, where I was, there was, like, one decent baseball stadium that you could say, it's kind of, like, comparable to, like, a high school stadium here, um, or maybe like a very small minor league stadium, or maybe even like a small college baseball stadium. Uh, what is the field here that does softball? Uh, I think it's like Kalator? Kalator Stadium. That might be a little bit more um, equal to what you guys are going to be expecting there. But, you know, then you have the smaller, like, school fields, you know, the park fields and stuff like that. Um, so I can verify at least that fact, that there are just a lot of baseball stadiums around um a pitcher that you might know who uh, grew up in Nicaragua, uh Vincent De la Cruz Padilla or uh Vincent Padilla. Um I know him from the time when he was in Texas. He used to be a guy that just like hit a ton of batters and uh Nick Swisher uh actually charged him on the mound and they caused this big uh brawl um when Nick was in uh Oakland. Uh it's on YouTube, so Do check it out. Um, But Vincent also was an All Star in 2002 with the Phillies. Um, I don't have any stats available, although I could pull that up. Uh, Looking, looking, looking. Uh, 14, 14 and 11 was a 3.28 ERA in 2002 with the Phillies. They do have a professional baseball league, La Liga de Baseball Profesional Nacional, or uh, the LP, LB, LBPN. I guess La Liga um, is just one word, Um, but it is the professional baseball league in Nicaragua. It consists of five teams playing 30 games. Runs from November to December, which is kind of like the uh, Pacific League that we talked about in the uh, the second half of the Mexico series last week. Um, it looks like that the best four teams play a round robin to kind of determine the best two teams who play in a best of seven. The league has a very interesting story. So, apparently, from 1956 to 1967, the league kind of played out. Then it folded due to uh, financial reasons. Then it reopened or, like, resumed operations in 2004, which has a long time between, like, closing and reopening. I couldn't find exactly... I, I saw that it was financial That's the reason why the league shut down. I couldn't find any reason why it took so long to reopen the league. And for that matter, why it took so long. What happened to those baseball players during that time? Because, of course, I'm sure there was plenty, 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 plenty of. uh, Nicaraguan baseball players that would have played. So where did they play? I'm guessing they probably went to another Central America country. Uh, but it does seem like baseball is a big part of culture. So I guess I wouldn't be surprised if they were still playing baseball. It's just that they didn't have a professional league to kind of go through. and Stuff like that. Um, I mentioned before, but boxing is apparently also there. It, it's kind of confusing depending on which site. It might say that boxing is actually the most popular sport in the country. Some sports places will say like boxing is popular, but baseball is still the national sport. And it's the most popular sport. But um, boxing apparently has grown largely in response to a Nicaraguan fighter named Alexis Aguero. He was nicknamed, and I'm I'm reading this for the first time, so forgive me if I mispronounce once again El Falco Explosivo. El Falco Explosivo was his nickname. He won three World Championships. Um, he was a, the WBA, which I believe is the World Boxing Association, before it became the World Boxing uh, Commission. But uh, he won the 1940s, 1974 to 1976 Featherweight Championship, 1978 to 1980 Super Featherweight Championship, and from 1981 to 82, he was the lightweight champion. And he's one of, considered one of the best um, fighters of his era, apparently. An interesting thing that I found was uh, he only ever relinquished his titles. He never lost! Uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting to do that, but it, it just kind of popped in my head. But uh, he... he never seemed uh he never lost it which i'm impressed i did see that he did lose some fights um because he lost a couple fights in bantamweight but in terms of like his championship defense he is undefeated in championship defense which then poses i guess i wonder why you would relinquish a title uh, maybe maybe it's due to, like, injury or something like that, or uh, maybe, like, you're bored of the competition, so you want to move on to a new challenge and stuff like that. Because I guess that kind of makes sense. Like, if you went from uh, featherweight to super featherweight, which I believe it's featherweight, and then super featherweight is, like, a heavier version of featherweight, and then, then you go into lightweight. So maybe that makes a little bit more sense. Because, I mean, the spacing between the... Uh, the three championships actually kind of support this fact and stuff like that. Um, but again, they had this love affair with it just because of his success. And just through that time, uh, boxing more or less became the, a popular sport in Nicaragua. I'm guessing also helpful was the fact is the loss of the Baseball League, because I mean, probably if the Baseball League was to continue through that day, boxing might still be popular, but it probably wouldn't be as popular than like a baseball league and stuff like that um at least that's my guess that's definitely my guess um and once again I'm reading a lot of these words for the first time I found the information and then I wrote about it and then I didn't bother to pronounce it Olympipitos. Olympi-pitos. I'm so I'm guessing I guess that's how you pronounce it it's a weird spelling. It's O L I M P I P T I O L I M P I P I T O S. That's what I'm guessing. But it's a Special Olympics held in Nicaragua. Uh it's a biannual event. Um encompassing a lot of sports, which I'm going to try to see if I can find. Uh can't seem to find too much information that isn't, like, in Spanish. Um, but, okay, hold no, on, I, I did find something, actually, so give me a second. So, let's see. So, apparently, it's a competition that, you know, has disciplines of a lot of other, like, kind of, like... Like a fifty meter dash is something that happens in track, but it's not an Olympic event. The hundred meter dash, kind of same thing. Um, javelin, shot put, um, a lot of like little group gains and stuff like that. That's that's what I'm finding out at least, just based on like quickly doing some research on it. Again, I'm. It's just very. I'm very limited on exactly what I could find. But apparently it's a biannual sport event. It was brought up during one organization, like one government uh, administration. And um, it aims to have young boys and young girls improve their self-esteem and personality uh, and to integrate into the community. I actually think that's really, really cool. Um, Because, I mean... It's very rare that you kind of see that and where, like, a community could come together and just kind of, uh... Compete in, de- compete in games, just, you know, having fun, build up your self-esteem. Like, even if you lose, you're having fun. You're out, like, playing with each other, running around and stuff like that. I think that's actually a really great idea. Um, although, again, like, I'm not 100% certain on, like, what sports are compass. I would just assume that it's just kind of like, um... You know, basic running events, nothing like long distance running or something like that, but like short term sprints. So, like, 150, maybe 200 relay events you can work on a team. So, you know, four by 100, four by 200, maybe um, like jumps, anything that you can throw. That's what I'm guessing, at least. But again, like, I, I just love that idea. I would kind of would, I would absolutely love it if, like, you could do that here in the States without, like, the, uh, competitive factor, because I'm sure I would have, liked done that as a kid growing up. Um, other sports include, you know, they include football or soccer, whatever you do, uh, weight and swimming, uh. And apparently uh, Nicaragua made its first Olympic appearance in 1968 in the Mexico City Games. And that, my friends, is all I could find about Nicaragua. Despite the fact that I thought I would actually find a lot more. I honestly did. I mean, it's a much bigger country than the other two countries that we're going to be talking about today. And yet, that's about all the information that I could find. So, we're going to take a break. And when we do, we're going to talk about, oh, we're going to talk about El Salvador. Because I believe El Salvador is actually next up on my list. So, stay tuned.
0: So, I'm a cat. And I just moved in with this new human. And she's got this little toy she's always playing with. All day long. Tap, 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 tap. Bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up. Like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life.
1: All right. We're we're to talk about El Salvador, despite the fact that technically, I guess we're going backwards in a sense, because technically, if we're going from... What did we talk about? <laughs> what was the last country that we talked about? I believe it was actually... Uh... It was Belize. Okay. So, like, going backwards from Belize, it would have been uh, Honduras, then El Salvador, then Nicaragua. But apparently, I'm guessing, since we're going backwards... We'll just kind of go through backwards in order of like, <laughs> oddly enough, like that's how my notes worked. We're just going backwards. So that's fine. Um, so the most popular sport in El Salvador is football or soccer. Again, depending on your preferences and stuff like that. But other teams, popular sports include basketball, tennis, swimming, and baseball. Their football team supposedly is, like, the most successful um, in their country. They had qualified for the 1970 and 1982 FIFA World Cup. The 1970 is very important for the end. So I am going to try my best and stretch this, like, stretch, stretch, stretch the show out. So I'm not, like, wasting time at the end. But the 1971 is, like, very important to keep in mind for right now. For But, like, for right now, let's just, like, move on. Because, um, Jai Rodriguez, known as El Cholona? That's what I'm guessing. I, I really, really, really do hope that's, like, that's his name. He's seen us, like... Well, this, this guy, uh, Jai, is what I'm, again, once again, that's what I'm guessing his name is actually, like, pronounced as such. He was a big player in the 1982 Honduras-El Salvador national team. My goodness. My goodness. It, it's, it, I'm, I'm going to get crossed up with Honduras and El Salvador because, like, I'm trying to keep the 1970 story straight. Please forgive me for the this. I'll get through it. He was apparently a big player for the El Salvador team in 1982. According to what I can find, he was a defensive, you know, right back or center back, depending on the situation. He played on some, I don't know. He played some for some, like, Mexican-site teams, like, um, like Leon, Atlas, Alaza. Um, he played for some small, like, Japanese leagues. Mostly, he was, like, known, I mean, he's known more as, like, a manager. Actually, he's not even really known as a manager. Like, there's very little information. I'm trying to figure out, like, why people are saying, like, he's one of the best Central American players of all time. I'm not really sure why, but I guess this one of those things was, like, defense. Because, I mean, was a midfielder and a striker, you can kind of base things off of, like, goals, goals or, like, appearances and stuff like that. With defensive backs, I'm not 100% certain on how you're supposed to exactly judge those kind of players. I guess probably like appearances and stuff like that. Which I mean, in the 80s, he did a lot for like Leon, which is also a Mexican side team. But then, like, after that, he didn't play a bunch. After that, he was on teams, he played a couple games, but then, like, Again, he was just kind of like there. But apparently, he's one of the best uh, Central American players of all time. Again, you'll just have to kind of take your my word for it. Um, he was also part of the 82 team that gave up 10 goals to a hungry team. In fact, the El Salvador's 10 to 1 lost during the World Cup in 1982 is one of the largest margins of (laughs) defeat in World Cup Finals history. I was trying to figure out, like, uh, how to word that, because I worded it as, like, largest margins in World Cup Finals history. But, like, would you describe that as, like, the margin? It would be margin defeat, because, I mean, El Salvador was the team that lost. They lo- they've they lost every game, mind you, that they've ever uh, participated in, in terms of World Cup history. Although, I guess, seeing as I'm reading this now, they haven't been back since 82. So, they do have a football league. It's called the Primera Division, which... Extremely hard to find because apparently the La Liga calls themselves the Primera Division as well. So that makes, uh, made finding any sort of information about the league very difficult. Uh, but I did find some, something, um, it looks like they're one of the few leagues out there in terms of Central American countries that doesn't do the opening and closing, uh, tournaments. And doesn't split their seasons up like such. It seems like they only have one long one long campaign, rather. Um, there are 16 teams in the division. They play 30 games each on a normal year. Granted, with the pandemic, that probably numbers probably gone down a little bit. Um best two teams qualify for anything, kinda. Cono, caf, <laughs> I don't remember what it's called. I've said it once on the show before, and I don't remember exactly how I pronounced it. Uh, I gotta. I'm sorry. We're gonna take a brief, like, a brief, brief, brief aside because we need to find. I need to find this out because it's not. It's not the last country that I'm gonna have to like say that. I'm trying to find it, but like, did I just not bother to write it down afterwards? Oh dear. Oh, I wrote it down. That's why, and I don't actually have the sheet with me. That's why, because I knew I thought I wrote it down. But like. Uh well, I hate that. Alright. Uh El Salvador actually is home to the largest football stadium in Central America, known as the Estudio uh Quest Clus- Jeez. I hate the one of the things I absolutely do not like about Spanish is this weird S C thing because I feel like I feel like I have to say the C or the S and the C together. Uh, Costalón, Custalan? Costcatelón, Costcatelón. Maybe I guess. All right, fine. Uh, sense yeah, it's in San Salvador, which, if you don't know, it's in that's El Salvador's uh, capital. So, geography lesson. Love talking about geography, too. Uh, the national team also plays in the stadium. Um, Alianza, um, which is a football club there, and San Salvador also play in that stadium. It's their biggest stadium, and those two teams happen to be the biggest teams. That's actually why I was trying to, like, mention, like, uh, Jai Rodriguez, he actually managed both sides of this. So he was in this big stadium. Pretty much, he's pretty much the biggest face for the um, San Salvador. It's El Salvador. <laughs> for the El Salvador, uh, the country of El Salvador. Eh. So I guess that's probably, again, why he's kind of known as, like, I guess maybe it's kind of like one of those country rumors where it's like, oh, yeah, like, dude was the, one of the greatest, like, uh, like soccer players of all time. You know, soccer players of all time, despite the fact that, like, if you looked at, like, the world of soccer and probably even Central America as a whole, he might not be great. I'm trying to think if there's, like, an American version of that. Um, I guess the first person that came to mind is, like, uh, Jim Thorpe, because, like, he was good at a lot of things. It's like, oh, he's one of America's best athletes. And, like, I have to kind of sit back and be like, well, I mean, in the grand concept of, like, world, I mean, he did run an Olympics, but he did also lose it because, like, he got paid one time. So, like, is he really the greatest Olympian? Like, they had to fight to actually get his medals back rather recently, What's relative is, like, 30 years or so, but... Um... El Salvador actually has gone to the Summer Olympic Games since 1968, um, although they did skip the 76 and 80 games in Montreal and Moscow. And then as of, well, this article has it up to the 2012 London Games, although I'm pretty certain that they were also there for the... 2016 Rio, and a 2020 or 2021 Tokyo Games. I believe they were also part of that. But as of this article, which I read, um, as of 2012, there were 118 El Salvadorians who have competed in an Olympic game, but none have actually made it to a medal. So once again, we'll just kind of move on. Uh, oh, 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 there are two more things I do want to talk about before we just move on from um, El Salvador and stuff like that. Um, Carlos Hernandez. Uh, he won the IBF, which I believe is the International Boxing Federation Super Featherweight Championship. He held it for what it appears to be, let's see, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June, July. Ten months. Ten months. That's I would say it was pretty close. I was about to say nearly a year. And I would have been correct. It was nearly a year. Um, October 2003 to July 2004. He's one of El Salvador's biggest boxing stars. And Ralu Diaz-Ace is El Salvador's most pro- prolific goal scorers. Uh, he was a Ford. You might also know him if you're an MLS fan, a very early MLS fan. He played on D.C. United uh, several times. He played for, like, Colorado, New England. Uh, He did a couple of stints for, like, the uh, the, uh, United Soccer League because I see the Charleston battery on here. And uh, the Charleston Battery, in case you guys know, I'm from South Carolina, so, like, we don't have a ton of, like, it's only been rather recently that we've had, like, minor league teams. Like, we've had a couple minor league baseball teams and stuff like that, um, but, like, in terms of, like, f- soccer, Charleston Battery was, like, the team, you know, they would come up to Columbia And, like, some for my uh, rec league, they would come down once in a while and they would sign autographs and stuff like that. So, like, even though I don't recall, like, I know he would probably, probably he would be on that team during the time that I was doing, like, rec league soccer and stuff like that. But, like, I don't personally remember him, but I do, do, like, see, I do recognize the time period because it was, like, 2002- Uh, In 2003. So that kind of makes sense. He's El Salvador's most goal scorer. I think I said that before. Uh, 30 goals and 68 appearances. I'm trying to do the quick math in my head. Here. 56. um, 56. 69. Nice. And 8. So he scores 77. 80 goals. 80 goals in the MLS. I'm not going to do appearances because that's that's much harder math to do. Um, so, yeah, he's, I mean, again, he seems to be a very, very prolific scorer. Um, he did a couple of, like, great things for D country, um, part of a couple of MLS Cup teams. Yeah. So that's it for El Salvador. We're going to move on to Honduras. Do, 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 do. I should probably let you guys know too like I write everything on a google document and I write it down and I write it as like one big group of notes but then when I'm reading it off I have to kind of scroll down um because like I might get part of what it is and then that that just takes a while just because of the laptop that I have isn't, like, the fastest thing in the world. So so when, like, I'm doing these weird pause and stuff like that, that's mostly why. I, I feel like I just feel kind of conscientious about it because I feel like I've been doing it a lot more. Um, and that's just partly because also on my fault, I didn't bother to, like, set it to one font. I decided to just, like, all right, um, I'll just copy the information and then I'll kind of type over that. To kind of make it seem a little bit better. And then we'll just read it like that. So that was a mistake on my part. And I do apologize about that. Uh, The Honduras football team. Oh, here's the name. I should have gone down, not up. Uh, Concave Calf. Concave Calf? Concave Calf. They took... Honduras has actually been like a relatively... I think even in recent years. Actually, has been a relatively like... Sleeper, India, CONCACAF football world. They took the 1991 championship. They took second place in 85, losing to Canada. They were runners-up for the Gold Cup, uh, losing to the United States. And they've won the Central American version of all this in three separate occasions, 93 95, and 11. Uh, Their most recent World Cup outing is the 2014 World Cup where they took down the... That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound right. I I do apologize. The Mexican team in a test at uh, Azteca, I don't think that's right because I don't think the World Cup was in Mexico that year. Unless they were talking about the Women's World Cup. No, it says that the World Cup was—that was Brazil. But I don't remember Honduras winning a game. I'm go, okay. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see Mexico. Let's see. Yeah, this is wrong because they didn't actually win a game during the World Cup. Well, that's, that's why you need to verify your sources and stuff like that. Because um, they haven't won a game. I believe they've only tied a game in their other World Cup game. But they've lost every game but one, which I believe is a tie against Switzerland. That particular World Cup, which I believe was like in the 80s. But I don't think I wrote that down. Um, do 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 yeah. Okay. See, so, yeah, I didn't bother to write that down. Um, Honduras actually has a great interest in other sports, baseball, tennis. They love gridiron football or American football if you're American. Honduras joined the Olympic Games in the 68 Olympic Games, the first uh, Olympic Games that were held in Latin America, which I believe were the Mexican City Games or Mexico City Games. Mexico City games. I don't know why I'm putting like the and weirdly in between like Mexico and city. I guess that may, makes a little sounds a little bit better. I don't know, but they, um, then they went kind of on and off. They skipped the Munich games, but then they came back for the Montreal games, but then they skipped the Moscow games. And then starting the 84 games in Los Angeles, they sent athletes pretty much every single year. So that's nice. but I mean, you know want, you want to know what's like even more nice? Believe it or not, is kind of related to today's topic or today's world, I guess, because the Olympics are still going on, I think for another week or so. And as it turned out, Honduras has actually sent an Olympian to the Winter Olympics in 1992 in Paris. I'm just gonna, like, make sure this is actually correct. Because I believe it was Paris. Uh. Uh. Well, it was in France. Not Paris, but it was in France. I I know it was France was the one that had, was part of the Summer Olympics. Like, the last year that they were both on the same year. But, um, it was France. It was like Albertsville, I believe is what it's called. But anyways, they had a cross gear named Jenny Victoria Palekos. Palacios. It's weird, I read I, I take the notes and then I just I pronounce it right then and then I come on the show and then I can't it's like I can't read it at all. <laughs> but Jenny Victoria Palacios still. She was sent to the 1992 Winter Games. Um, I'm guessing it was probably like one of the situations in where she has Honduras ties, but she's not exactly a Honduran herself. Uh, The information that I found her didn't indicate that either situation, so. But she competed in three events. Uh, As a cross-skier, your events are generally the 5-kilometer, the 10-kilometer, or no, the 15-kilometer, and the 10-kilometer freestyle pursuit. Um, She finished last in all those events. But due to how... Okay, so like... If you don't finish an event, you're disqualified, and thus you're ranked lower than the people who actually finished. Thus, when Palcio still competed in all the events, and again, it's three events that she competed in, she finished last, but as there were competitors that did not finish the events, she was never last placed. She was just a last finisher, if that makes sense. Um... And again, I, know, I shouldn't say again, but like I think, feel like it's very important to say that they did send an Olympian to the games in 1992. She's the only Olympian to ever be sent to the Winter Olympics by Honduras. But I feel like that's that's really impressive. It's a really impressive, uh, really impressive feat because I mean it's one of the few Central American countries. You know, that is isn't like, Mexico or something like that. And where, like, they've actually sent games. I, I couldn't find too much about, like, other countries sending athletes to the Winter Olympics. Uh, I think Chile is, like, the only one. But that's South America. That's completely different. Um, Let's take a break. There's, there's a little bit more I could probably talk about. But, like, I probably should take, like, a breather. And uh, we'll be right back with some more World Sports Roundabout. Stay tuned.
0: Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I like kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service.
1: Welcome back to World Sports Roundabout. We're in the closing half of our show. I guess really it's third, because, I mean, I took a break, and then I took the second break, so I guess it's technically third. Although, is there a sport that plays in thirds? Hockey does. Ice hockey does. Okay, great. So we're in a third period of our game, and it's a very close one. (laughs) All right, let's just... uh, Let's just wrap this up before my uh, very poor humor uh, moves on. Um, Some athletes that you may know of from Honduras, uh, which is the country that we are going to still focus on until the very closing story and where I have a very interesting uh, story to tell you about El Salvador and Honduras. Uh, Gerald Young, if now, you might not know who Gerald Young is. I don't blame you if you don't know who Gerald Young is. Frankly, I don't even know why I know who Gerald Young is. But if you say who's on the opening day roster of the 1993 Colorado Rockies, you know, the expansion team, that that's their first year. Colorado Rockies, 1993, that was their first year playing baseball. If you ask me, if you ask to name a player from that team, Uh, Vinny Castilla probably would be the most popular option. Um, I can't think of anybody else, but Gerald Young is a player that you can name off that list. Granted, he was only there on the team for a month, uh, played like X number of games and stuff, but he is the first Honduras baseball player ever. Um, in case you're wondering how great was he, um, career-wise, he hit two set 46 with three home runs and 113 runs batted in. But he did steal 155 bases, so maybe he was more like a speed guy. Um, according to his uh, Wikipedia article, which was the only—I mean, I could go on to Baseball America, but that's much harder because there's a lot more, like, stats on a sheet to see. But to make his career nice and short, Wikipedia is very nice. Um, he hit 340 in spring training. But then they acquired Dale Murphy in the first week of the 1993 season. So he was limited to one hit and 19 at-bats. Then they released him, and he declined to go to the minor leagues. Then he was a free agent, went to the Reds minor league affiliate. And then he moved on to Seattle Mariners, Triple A affiliate. And then (laughs) he he went to the Cardinals, hit 333 in spring training. Thought he'd make the Major League team start out again in the minor leagues. Then he somehow made it back up to the minor leagues and then played like one or two more games. And then he retired in 1994. And, again, like, now, I'm looking at this, too. What I'm guessing is he was born in Honduras, and then he moved to the States. Because I can't seem to find anything else about this guy. Except that he was drafted in the same year and the same Mets class as Rafael Palmeiro and Drew Gooden. Uh draft cast that set a major league record for a single team when 14 of those teams, which I believe that's when those rounds went to like 30. 30 rounds and stuff like that. But he set a record because 14 of those players made a minor league. Or played in the minor league or major leagues, you know? So yeah. I don't know how I knew that. Um a lot of the information that I just told you, like about his end of career and, like, the beginning of his career. Uh, I actually just found that out now, but I knew for some reason that, like, Gerald Young was always a member of that first opening day roster. Don't know why, but now you know. You know my deepest, darkest secret. Well, deepest, darkest secrets that I can openly say on the air. (laughs) Um, Maynard Figueroa? Is another player from Honduras that you might know. He's also a center back, uh, center back, right back. It seems um, he's part of like the Honduras national team. He's actually the captain of the national team. Wigan United, which I believe is a Premier League team, just want to make sure. Yeah, they're they're Premier. Well, they're they used to be a Premier League team. Um, they're now in the League One, which is the league just below for the Premier League and stuff like that. Um, He also played for, like, Whole City. If you're an MLS fan, you might know him because he played for the Colorado Rapids, FC Dallas, and the Houston Dynamo. But he is still a member of the Honduras national team, uh, making... 152 appearances, although it does not state how many of those appearances were with the captain seal. But you might know him just due to his more recent soccer appearances in the MLS. Um, Honduras does have a football league. Liga Nacional de Football Profesional de Honduras or the Honduras uh, Professional National or the National Honduras Soccer league. Um, it is 10 teams, um, 36 games split into 18 games each, with an opening and closing tournament. The league format consists of a round robin tournament, <coughs> excuse me, which each other playing each other, which each team playing each other twice. So, okay, I guess that makes sense. Um, I'm trying, I, I'm like trying to figure out the math as we go, but like that's fine. Um, they play round robin sermons, with each club playing each each other twice. The top six advance to the playoffs, where the teams ranked three and four play in a home away series against the teams ranked sixth and fifth. So I'm guessing third place six, fourth place five, and then they do a home and away, and determine the winner based on aggregate. Uh, It doesn't stay specifically, but that's the only way that this whole thing makes sense. Um, Playoff winners advance to the semifinals and then play the first and ranked team. And the winners to the semifinals um, head to play facing a doubleheader to ground a champion. So I'm guessing what they do is, again, it's aggregate system. So, like, you play a home and you play in a way. And if you're tied in terms of goals, the one who scored the most away goals wins. That's what I'm guessing. Um, I don't see anything that really contradicts this. Um, the only thing that I took of note is like promotion within the league is decided with Liga de Asensio de Honduras, which is essentially the league just below them. So like relegation, which is the demotion of teams essentially is like uh, if you're, if you, Play so badly if you're in, like, X number of spots, which I believe there's 10 teams. So, I believe you probably have to be in, like, the worst two teams in the league. So, then you're just brought down. Um Most times, it was, you generally have to win a championship. Or if you're, like, the top team, you generally, like, you generally promote, how do I word it? If you won the championship in the league below you, you would automatically move up a division and then other teams within that uh in the uh in the, in the in the table. So I'm guessing it's probably like the next four teams then play a playoff series and then whoever wins that gets the second spot. Um that's how it used to be. But now it's The champions of the opening and closing seasons of those leagues face off who determines promotion. I'm not entirely certain how that works in relation to, like, a table and stuff like that, but that is that. That is everything that I wanted to talk about for those three countries. Uh, Next show, we'll talk about Panama because Panama is the last of the Central America thing or Central America countries. We might start, depending on how much information you can find about Panama, we might start talking about the Caribbean before we go down to, like, Central, not South, but South America, but um, we actually might be able to complete the Caribbean and get through, like, a good majority of the South American uh, countries before the end of the quarter, and then, like, we'll probably have, like, maybe three or four more countries to go, which we could probably knock out real quickly but then it's kind of i don't know where you go from there because i mean we went down like the americas so like do you go east towards like australia or do you go west towards like africa i think africa would definitely be uh much more (laughs) much more fun to try to find information about because i mean it's hard to find too much of anything with africa stuff like that But we don't have that much time. We'll we'll figure this out when we actually cross that bridge, maybe in two or so episodes. But uh, let me talk about this story because we're going to probably run over anyways. So let me go ahead and talk about this story. Okay. So Honduras and El Salvador are neighbors, essentially. Honduras is a much bigger country to a very small, pretty much the smallest country in Central America, El Salvador. Now, In the 60s, Honduras was led by this military dictator uh, who took over the country, and then they held elections, and his party won, but then people were like, hey, no, these votings were illegitimate. And guys, let me tell you something. If you're in charge uh, of any, if you have any sort of power, you know, whether it's an organization Or, like, you actually hold candidacy in an office or something like that. Um, The true and try thing to do, if someone is saying and questioning your ability to, you know, your ability to, mm, what's the word? Your ability to lead or questioning how those results come out and about, um, the easiest thing to do is to blame someone else. So, in fact... That's exactly what the military government did. El Salvadorians were coming into this country because their country, again, is very, very small. (laughs) So they were coming in to use the farmland and stuff like that. So when you blame immigrants coming in, then the Hondurians were beating... uh, Were beating, uh, beating... Beating El Salvadorians. I was trying to find a very nice word to... Used to that but they were beating them out like burning their crops uh kicking them out like forcibly moving them out which of course irritates the El salvadorians and that makes uh relationships very 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 tenuous but it's called the football war the, the whole there's actually a big war thing too i should probably send you that it was essentially 100 hours in where like al Uh, El Salvador essentially, like, invaded Honduras for, like, 100 hours, and then, like, technically, like, the United States technically, like, convinced the Hondurans to, like, let the El Salvador, like, the El Salvador uh, immigrants come back to El Salvador peacefully without, like, harming them, anything like that, and technically, there's, like, more, like, complex, like, socio-economical, political reasons for it, such as, like, bananas. So, so, like, if you, I don't know. Uh, it gets a little bit more complex, uh, a lot more complex than the show, and I'm not going to bore you with that. But the reason why I'm bringing up the uh, football war is because the tensions escalated because during that time, for some reason, El Salvador and Honduras were eligible for the 1970 World Cup, and they just so happened to be playing each other in that particular cup. So... Honduras and El Salvador play each other in the cup. And, it's called, and again, it's called a football war specifically because of that, because tensions rose up. Um, El Salvador went to that um, World Cup. So they won the first game. And then there was, for some reason, a female fan, like, I think she was like 15 at the time, like, she set herself on fire. And then <laughs> the newspapers were like, oh my God, like, this girl was like so distraught at like Honduras losing to these savages, which that's I'm not even really kidding, like, that's essentially how they viewed each other at this point in time. Um, in fact, during the next game, Honduras didn't even bother to raise the El Salvadorian flag they they lifted up a dirty rag which of course raised tensions even more uh, supposedly like after game El Salvador's manager told his players in like an armored bus that like hey I'm really glad you didn't win and then um, in a third game again El Salvador won because they made it to the cup all these games were really close they were like 1-0 games very close very late scoring games and stuff like that. Um, But it's interesting like how tensions, tensions were like, I don't imagine something else like raising tensions in the country. And then like, imagine like something else exceeding those tensions. I, I think I'm wording it wrong, but like imagine tensions were already kind of bad. And then like, you play a video game online against someone uh, during the early, like, Xbox Live days, and then, like, tensions between you and the party just, like, rose. I think that's probably, like, a better way to, like, explain it. But I absolutely love it of the football wars because, like, it's just, it's, it's so interesting. It's one of the few times where, like, sports and history and geography really take an effect on each other. Um, but that's really it. I thought we would actually run over and we did technically run a bit over. Um, what I'm going to try to do to kind of close out the show is I'm going to actually see if, uh, I can actually play the theme song, but, um, until next time, um, I will be back with sports flash in a brief, well, about, about two hours or so at four, We're going to talk about the Super Bowl and stuff like that. Again, hopefully Jalen will be here for us. If not, well, then that probably means that I'll be taking over Sports Flash during that time. But until then, this has been World Sports Roundabout. I am Brandon Bones. We will see you guys as I'm pulling up the theme song in a little bit. Thank you, guys.